Hey, this is Burt Kreischer, and you're listening to WGN Radio. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to WGN Radio. This is your host, Mike Heideman, bringing his Body Shots tour to the Chicago Theater for two shows Saturday, November 9th. Burt Kreischer is an amazing individual, man, comic, legend, shirtless man about Netflix, and so much more. Who has had a career that has spanned six lifetimes. Let me tell you that for a fact. What's going on, Burt? Thanks for calling in today. That's an accurate statement. I always say my funeral, uh, people are going to go, I never, he did so much, I never, no one can be sad that he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bert, you do it all, man. You got the new tour, you got your stand-up specials on Netflix, host two podcasts, the Bert Cast and Open Tabs, and on top of all of that, you have two kids. Uh, How do you go about your hustle? I mean, how do you find time to get all this stuff done? You know, to be honest with you, I don't know. I, uh, I'm home right now. I've been home for, I've been home for about a month and my, everyone in my family is ready for me to leave. They're ready for me to go on tour. Like I am just chomping at the bit and I haven't been really partying cause I'm home. So it's like, what's the point of drinking when I'm just, you know, ordering Chinese food for the girls. It's weird opening a bottle of wine, you order Chinese food. So they're literally, everyone's ready for me to leave. So is that what you do to prepare for a tour almost? You kind of just sit back and, and unwind and then kind of get the mind straight for to almost ready yourself like a samurai soldier? Almost, yeah. I mean, that's so funny. I said today I haven't really been doing stand-up uh, while I was home. And for the most part, it's like you're doing so many podcasts, you're almost like tired of hearing yourself talk. <laughs> and and, and it, it, you start saying things you don't mean. Mm-hmm. And like if you talk too much, I think it's bad. I think that's what's wrong with social media is everyone has the opportunity to just spout out and, and, and you shouldn't have that opportunity. You should be looked at by someone and said, Hey, what do you think? And that's when your opinion should show up. Mm-hmm. So literally I've been taking our time off from stage just hanging out at home and not speaking. Literally not speaking. <laughs> How long have you gone like without with just being in total silence? Uh, <laughs> I, you, I go like right now, so I, we call it, there's a thing in our house where we call it scrolling. Mm-hmm. And that's when... <laughs> So you can see someone's brain just going like you're like almost like you're scrolling through Instagram looking for something to. And I've been uh, I I go starting right now at like at like seven o'clock our time, and I go into my room. I read I read all night long, and then I pass out. Wake up. I don't speak to anyone. So I wake up early. I go to a hot spin class. I don't know anyone there, so I don't talk to anyone there unless my sister shows up. And I won't start speaking probably until like my first podcast is at ten usually every morning. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing a podcast every day. I do a podcast, two two podcasts a day, and then I shut it down again, and I just shut up. It's dude, it's so healthy to not speak because trust me, when I am on the road, I am speaking nonstop. Yeah, I could imagine. So, do you schedule your your podcasts? Do you do them at home or do you do them in a studio? No, I do them at home. I have a man cave that the DIY show uh, man caves gave me, and so I, I shoot them out of my man cave and. Uh, and I really love it because you never get an opportunity to sit with someone like Jim Gaffigan, you know, for an hour and a half and just talk about family, Catholicism, meeting the Pope. Like, you'd never get that opportunity. I sat down with Whitney Cummings yesterday and talked to her for two and a half hours. 
and you never get that opportunity. And then you also, you know, when you get done the podcast, you guys kind of sit off to the side and talk about the business, mm-hmm. about the marketing of a, uh, of a of a tour, the marketing of a, of a special. It's like I, I absolutely love it. I'm addicted. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Birdcast. I mean, I got into it when I when I first when you came across my my wheelhouse, I suppose, when you dove in there, and I, I've been really into it because you can tell that you're passionate about what you're speaking about. And one specific was that Dane Cook episode when you guys were just reflecting. Oh, I love that episode. Oh my gosh, I was I couldn't turn it down. I I usually put on music when I was working out, and I was like pumping, getting all pumped up, talking about social media techniques and everything on the stairmaster. It was it was a pretty cool experience. But what is that? Dude, Dane, I've known Dane. I've known Dane for like fifty, no, probably almost twenty years now. Mm-hmm. And there's so much about Dane that people don't know that mm-hmm. when you see him go through all the drama that he goes through, there's so much you don't know about him that um, I love a podcast like that, like that or Chris D'Elia. Mm-hmm. Chris D'Elia is someone who I've known for a while, but th- I know a different side of them, and I love showing that side on the podcast. Yeah, it, it was interesting to see your humble upbringings, like how you guys were going through the business at the time. Do you, I mean, do you look back at that time when you were spent going to the, all the comedy stores and, and the laugh factories and all that stuff, and has that built up your resiliency? Because that was a kind of a through line that you talked about in the podcast. I think so. I think your resiliency, I think you get used to failing. Mm-hmm. I think it can be unhealthy. I think there's some of my friends who never got a taste of success or never even, or sometimes they're more happy with failure, if that sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. Failure is super warming. It's like, it's nice to just go, you know what, screw it, and go and get a cocktail and be like, you know what, it's going to be a wash tonight. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and you get you get comfortable with that. And then there's people like Dane who got a splash of success and some of us were were envious and we wanted to we wanted the same thing and some of us some people just had a better time crapping all over them. It was more fun for them to crap all, sat in the sit in the back, not really focus on themselves or what they could do to change, or maybe take a a, a page out of his book and figure out how to be better and and, and be humble mm-hmm. and, and just trash him in the back and smoke weed and <laughs> You know, and drink. And I, by the way, I was a part of both teams, trust mm-hmm. me. But <laughs> but there's a part of you at a certain age where you just go, like, I don't care if I look silly. I don't care if I look stupid. I don't care if my peers don't appreciate this. I just put out a dance video. Yeah. Like, uh, like two weeks ago to promote the tour. And there were friends, legit friends of mine who did not approve. They did not <laughs> like it. They didn't understand it. This what? has nothing to do with comedy. What are you doing? You're fat. You, you just look silly. But you know what? It, it sold a ridiculous amount of tickets, that one video. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I put my tour dates up on the side. I do a one-minute video of me dancing. I took lessons. I got a hired a dance instructor, a choreographer. I took lessons. I did the dance. I put the video. And then people, all it does, all it does is just remind you that I'm coming to your town. That's it. It's not. That's not what I do on stage. It's. It's. I'm not bragging about my dance skills. It's just reminding you, hey, I'm coming to your city. That's all it is. <laughs> You're amazing. And I saw that video. And if you want to go and check it out, you can check out Bert Kreischer's uh, Facebook page right now. It's. It's uh, up on the top. Uh, when I was, it, it was so amazing. It, it'd be so cool if you did open your shows like that. Just came out with a full on like just sweaty dance number from <laughs> from some kind of Footloose episode or something. <laughs> Bro, I would be. Sweating the entire show. And when I did that video, I did three takes, and I was profusely sweating. After, like, the first take, they were like, should we get a towel? And I was like, for what? And they're like, your back is dripping. There's so many people watch that video, and they're like, why are you sweating before you even start? I'm like, yeah, that was my first take. Shut 
sure. <laughs> but but it's cool because you're so authentic and you're so genuine, and just that one minute video shines through with that. I, I mean, what when you think about these ideas, what kind of creative mindset do you go into when you're thinking, you know, I could I could ride a donkey through town, or I could do this dance video. Like, how, would it just come to you in your sleep, or what's kind of the process behind Bert Kreischer's mind in those moments? Some of it, uh, I mean, some of it is just once you turn the camera on, it starts to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like you just go, like a lot of it is just start shooting something and something will come up. And then when it comes up, something better will show up. And, and then some of it is, uh, literally just not caring at all what anyone will think and and being, being able to fail. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the hardest parts, I I talked to one of my best friends, a guy named Tom's girl. We have a podcast called two bears, one cave. And he said to me, I think on the podcast or off podcast, he was like, what would you have done if that video got no views? And I was like, I just would have done another video. I mean, like I expected it to get no views. Mm-hmm. Like no one saw it getting 5 million views. I just, it, we just got lucky. We posted at the right time and the right, you know, it's like you just get lucky with the right people retweeting it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I was like, that's, and I've done so many videos that I think are really funny that just no one saw that no one ever saw because they just don't get views. I think that's being cool, failing, and I think that goes back to, you know, failure being this warm blanket and stand up. But being cool, failing is like number one. Number one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love. I love how much uh, people look up to you, especially here in the Chicago comedy scene, about what you do and failure being a warm blanket. I think that that speaks to a lot of comics, especially here who are struggling through those open mic scenes and everything. So that's that's really cool that you. Dude, that's you know, the number one thing in comedy mm-hmm. is being comfortable being bad. Like once you get to a place where you can bomb and it doesn't hurt your feelings and you're like, all right, we're going to figure our way out of this on stage. Mm-hmm. That is number one. You know, I, everyone always tells me like, I want to start a podcast, but I want to sign with someone big. I want to get a big agency to rep me. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to get, I want to get Rogan on my first episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I, I'll tell everyone do, do like a hundred episodes of it sucking. Like let it suck really bad. Let no one listen to it. Like, like put it out. Don't publicize it. Just put it out and keep doing it and grow your listenership by like a thousand people a week, 500 people a week, 25 people a week, and then get good at it and enjoy it and love it. Cause if you don't love it, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then once you find your voice and you can kind of like, you know what your podcast is about, then go out and publicize it. Mm-hmm. So many people would rather just be famous as opposed to learn the trade and have fun doing the trade. Oh, Bert, that drives me so crazy when I hear people like that. You know, it, I think it comes from the fact that there are no more interns. No one has to work for uh, free anymore, which <laughs> yeah, drives me bonkers. You don't have to talk to me about that, dude. I, <laughs> I'm always shocked if I get paid doing stand-up. We, we always say to each other, I'm Bill Burr has <laughs> always said, dude, we do, this for, we do this for free. Like, we would do it for free. Uh-huh. Dude, I, I love comedy. I would do comedy for free. That is the truth. I would do it for free. If, if, if my career got taken away from me and, and, I, and, and God forbid I got in cancel culture somehow for my next special mm-hmm. and no one wanted to see me stand up, I'd still go to open mics. I'd be like, I had an idea. I mean, I want to run it by people and see if it's any good. 
You know, <laughs> I love it. You know, I think uh, way back when Louis C.K. brought up this really uh, interesting quote, and he would, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, you know, if I was a homeless person, if I turned into a homeless person tomorrow, I'd figure out a way to go and become uh, Louis C.K. again because I have that kind of mind. You know, you, if you have that drive behind yeah. you, I think you could become anything you want. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's, you know, I mean, I, I have, I don't know. I don't. That's so interesting. That's a really interesting quote because <laughs> it kind of did happen to him a tad bit. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> you know what? Maybe he spoke it's it into. His... Louis called his shot. He was like, you know, God forbid something happened and everyone hates my guts. I'd still be Louis C.K. You'll see. I guess we're gonna find out if that quote's true. <laughs> you know, the, is he kind of spoke it into the universe? He did a little secret. <laughs> Secret book. Yeah, on God, and, then, and here I am, uh, a minute earlier, going, God forbid I get cancel cultured. <laughs> I got to go through my set list for my next special and make sure I don't. <laughs> oh, too good. You know, you know. Uh, speaking about y- your social media presence, and it's just incredible what you've done over the few years. Um, I-, I did a little digging into your Instagram, and I was laughing my ass off, and I dug all the way to the back of the first post you ever posted. The first picture. It was on August eighteenth, two thousand twelve. Do you remember that post? Is it with uh, the lead singer of Smashville? <laughs> yes. It's you crashing a wedding with your buddy uh, from Steve from Smashmouth. Now, how did this come to be? <laughs> Why is this? <laughs> this was a great start into the Instagram game. We were, uh, we were all at a hotel, I think, in Syracuse. <laughs> and... Um, and we had a fire alarm in the middle of like at like one in the morning, and I, and I had been at the bar, but I was up in my room, and so I come down in like you know sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and we're all standing outside, and uh, the lead singer of Smash Mouth is there, and he's like, Stevie's like, yo, what's up, man? He's like, I'm a fan, and I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, there's a, there's a fire, I guess, and they're kicking out. And as soon as that, he said that, a whole wedding party came out. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, the wedding party, one of the guys recognized me, and then he's like, oh my God, you're here with the guy from Smash Mouth. And we were like, yeah, you mind if we go to your wedding? And they were like, come on. And so we went to the wedding, and one of the kids at the wedding, I wish I remember, I follow him still. He pops up every now and then. Simple Song is his name. His name is Simple Song on on Instagram. He goes, goes, let's get a picture of the three of us. I'll put it on Instagram. And I said, what's Instagram? He's like, bro, give me your phone. Downloaded Instagram, took my profile picture at the wedding, and and followed himself and his three friends, and that was my first picture. <laughs> that is incredible. Incredible. Who'd have thought that that was the start of this social media game that you've kind of mastered over the few years? <laughs> Dude, I fell in love with Instagram immediately. If you look, I think I kind of put, I put my, because I was doing a thing called What Will the Maid Think? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and I and immediately I was like, whoa, this would be perfect for me. I am much more a visual speaking comedian than a written guy. Like, I'm not a written guy. Like, I've never been good at that. I never was good at, like, when, when, I, when I found out you couldn't put, you know, a hundred, more than 160 characters on Twitter, I was like, oh, I speak, I tell stories. <laughs> and so I all of a sudden fell in love with, I literally fell in love with Instagram. And then when Instagram stories showed up, I was in the middle of doing a vlog. I was doing a vlog for a period of time. Instagram stories showed up, and I was like, oh, this is going to cannibalize the vlog immediately because you can post, edit. Like, you can 
do all your edits like that, if you tell it like a story, it's, it works perfectly. And, and I, I fell in love with Instagram stories. And to this day, I probably, like, I mean, I, I've, I've, been, I've listened to Rogan where Sebastian's like, dude, you see how many stories birds post? Mm-hmm. Rogan will text me, he's like, enough with the stories. But <laughs> I love it because I know for a fact that I follow people based on their stories. <clears throat> and if you put up good stories, I'm a fan of yours. Like, mm-hmm. I dig it. Like, dude, Delia's stories are awesome. Mm-hmm. Eliza Schlesinger is great at Instagram stories. I love their stories, so I just kind of you kind of ignore whatever your friends say and do whatever you think is right. Yeah, that's it's true. And and everybody who who is questioning what will the maid think, what that was, it's Bert goes to hotel rooms and he he sets up this uh, menagerie of of just uh, of towels and and uh, and little things here and there that the maid will see and and just I'm guessing just be totally confused by, which were very popular. I think you you, you I think that was one of the first times that I heard about you. You mentioned that on a talk show and i was like i gotta see what this what this is all about yeah that was the first thing i ever had that went viral um <laughs> that went that went huge and it was it was really big on on inst on on facebook at the time and then good morning america and the today show picked it up and they <laughs> talked about it and i was on travel channel and travel channel wanted nothing to do with that because obviously hotels are the meat and potatoes of our ad sales and so they swept it under the rug, and I was like, guys, I think I'm not being a jerk. The whole reason I started it is because I was leaving a hotel room one day, and on the bedside table was a bottle of lotion, a towel, and six Heinekens. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, God, I can't let this poor lady come in here to clean my room and go, oh, I guess it was date night last night. So I just kind of put something in the room to throw her off her off her trails, and then it just started getting better. I mean, the best one, the best one I ever did easily – my fav- my two favorites are one was a sheet tied to the uh, tied to a desk <laughs> hanging out the window so it looked like i escaped by climbing out the window and that and i one time took my wardrobe shirt which was a collared shirt mm-hmm. i put a pillow i put it inside a pillow inside it and i shoved it in the refrigerator so it looked like someone's torso was in there <laughs> those are my two those are my two favorites but i had a bunch of them but, uh, yeah, that was the first time. And, and I, I, as soon as I, I saw Instagram, I was like, dude, this would be great. So I've, I've, I've reposted them. Like, I posted them then, and then I reposted them, like, a year ago going, hey, don't forget, I also did this. <laughs> you got to keep people in the know. Oh, man. Now, Bert, I won't keep you for too much longer because I know you're a busy man. But you're no stranger to being infamous. This next story is crazy. In 1997, you were crowned the number one college partier by Rolling Stone. But how did this come to be? How do they single you out as the number one partier? Because I read that whole article. Um, you know, it's so funny. My agents, by the way, I have like I have like a legit team of agents, like nine agents, and they took me to lunch yesterday, and none of them knew that this had happened to me. They what? were like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, and they just, I mean, they just know me as a comic and a guy who's been on TV and have a podcast, and that's it. So yeah, in 1997, Rolling Stone magazine yeah. discovered me and called me the number one party animal in the country. Um, they wanted to write an article about Florida State, and so the, the magazine reached out to the school and talked to, like, five different people at the school, and all five people said, you got to hang out with Bert. He's the best person to meet at the school. I've been there six and a half years. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so they came and stayed with me for a week, just one guy, Eric Hedegaard, and we partied. We partied for the whole week. And uh, we got them high. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was like a blast. 
And then they kind of just changed the scope of the article at the last minute and just, instead of making it about the school, they just made it about me. And, um... And it changed my life forever. Oliver Stone optioned the rights to my life. I moved to New York. I got started into stand-up because of that article. In the article, I said I wanted to do stand-up. So a radio show put a stand-up show on. I did it. I loved it. I fell in love with it immediately. Moved to New York. Six months later, Will Smith discovered me. And, uh, wow. and I got a TV show short after, shortly after that. So, yeah, it changed my life. It was really great. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the business changes a tad bit. Mm-hmm. And you... you, you you redirect and you do other stuff. And then I started hosting and then I, I did, you know, you know, I did this thing where I got my ass waxed and that went vi- viral for the time. It was like talk show clip, talk soup clip of the year. And that got me a TV show. And then that TV show got me another TV show. And then, and then, and then I told, and then, you know, then podcasting started, I told the machine on Rogan and right after I told the machine on Rogan, I, that that clip went what I thought was viral, and then I told it on my special, and that went legit viral, like a hundred million views. Mm-hmm. Like, and and it's been you know it's been it's been it's you said it at the very beginning of this interview, and you couldn't have been more accurate. It's been six lifetimes. I've lived six different lifetimes. I was a host on Travel Channel. I was a party animal in college. I wrote a book. I'm a stand-up. I was an actor. Like, I feel like I really have lived six different lives. Mm-hmm. And it's, in, it's just remarkable to hear you say those words, like, and just go through your incredible resume because you have had the, you're basically the Forrest Gump of comedians. I love it. I love it. That is perfect. <laughs> I'm a drunk Forrest Gump. Like, I'll take it. I will take it. When the, now, it, 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 did Oliver Stone? Did he make the movie of your life yet? Did I miss this? Uh, no. So his. Well, I mean, technically, you know, obviously, this is all hearsay. Uh-huh. I'd say that if I knew what hearsay meant. But um, but uh, so he hired a bunch of people, including myself. I wrote a script uh, for it, and uh, and then I guess from what I'm, I was told, and this is all once again speculation. I had nothing to do with this movie, mm-hmm. but um. One of the people that uh, one of the people that had written a script for him through the option got their intellectual property back, turned around, changed my name, kept my friends' names, and sold it to National Lampoon, and it became the movie Van Wilder. But I mean, I'm telling you that I have no like I, I wasn't a part of the movie. I didn't write. That. I had nothing to do with it. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean, what people involved have told me. So, well, you, you wouldn't be lying. There's like over a hundred articles that are written about that exact same thing. So that could that might be the case. Uh, if if I yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it, I I talked to the I talked to the producers of the movie. I've talked to National Lampoon and everyone in between. And so, mm-hmm. but you know. I think technically if we went to a court of law, everyone would deny it because it would be a nightmare. But I have no interest in, you know, it's like like I, like you said at the beginning, that's one of my six lives. And I think it's an interesting footnote. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when when I talk, talk about myself, I think it's an interesting footnote. But it, I, I was hoping when I started this business and I'm very lucky, lucky, I think, to believe that that article doesn't define me, that when people hear it, it's more of like, shut up. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, like, yeah. it, when that article came out, uh, ESPN wanted to do a series of commercials, and they sent two actors to come party with me in a tour bus, and they'd film it, and one of the actors was Johnny Knoxville. Jeez. And so I met him in 1997 and smoked weed and watched kids try to knock themselves out with beer bottles, and he sat in my kitchen and pitched me jackass in my kitchen <laughs> at Florida State. And then, yeah, and then two years later, I'm in L.A. on the set of my own TV show, Eating Lunch, 
and one of my grips puts in a video of Jackass. He's like, you guys are never going to believe this. And we watched Jackass. So, yeah, <laughs> just... I know. My funeral's going to be fun, I'm telling you. Oh, my God. This is going to be, the, it's going to be like Jim Henson's <laughs> times a, a billion. It's going to the, the most yeah. uh, incredible stories of all time. You know, speaking about those incredible stories, though, and this will be my last question to you. Um, you've lived such an amazing life, and it's just so cool to hear how much success you've gained from just being yourself, which is so rare in today's world. Now, you have, you have two kids, right? Are they, are they both girls, correct? Yeah, both girls, 13 and 15. So my favorite thing about my dad growing up was was hearing his stories. You know, when, I, when I'd go to bed, I'm like, Dad, just tell me a story. What's going to be the story that you tell your, your little girls that's going to be your favorite? Bro, they think all my stories are lies. <laughs> I'm like the movie Big Fish. I got bit by a bat in Costa Rica one time, and I tried to t- I try every time the word that comes up, I go, I was bit by a bat, and they go, no, you were They would not... The one time, the only story that I've ever told them at nighttime, when they were real young, like I want to say like third grade and first grade, Mm -hmm. I was putting them to bed and I had a glass of wine with me and my oldest goes, hey dad, did you rob a train in Russia? And I was like, I was like, uh, I I did. And (laughs) she was like, well, some kids at school were talking about it and I told him, there's no way you did it by yourself. You had to do it with bad guys, didn't you? And I was like, all right, girls, sit up. I got a story to tell you. And I told them the machine story beginning to end. My wife's in the room, dying laughing. They're on the edge of their bed, the edge of their bed. And when I say to them, so I go up to the cop, and the cop grabs me by the arm. My daughter, Riley, goes, stop right there, stop right there. I need to know before you go any further. Do you get away with it? And I'm like... Idiot, I'm right here. Obviously, I get away. You, what, you were alive. Like, you're in existence. Clearly. No, I spent 20 years in the gulag, Isla, and I'm just telling you now. Come on. Bert Kreischer. That is amazing. Uh, he's bringing his body shots tour to the Chicago Theater. Two shows you do not want to miss this man. Is it, Bert, this was one of my favorite conversations, maybe of the decade. It, it's a total pleasure talking to you. So much great, great success to you. I'm sending you all good vibes. Vibes. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here on WGN. Bro. Hey, fantastic interview. Thank you. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you tonight. <laughs> Every day that passes by, I have come to realize. Can't get enough of sound sessions? Like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Sound Sesh Pod, and check us out on Instagram at Sound Sessions WGN.